Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode 14. Woo, we can draw we can get a learner's permit. Really? Not in Saskatchewan. Really? Well, not in Saskatchewan 15 years ago. Oh, well, when did you get yours? 15. Yeah, I was 14. Really? Okay, anyways. You guys, uh, yeah. <laughs> More importantly than the ages that we got learner's permits at. We come to you from Kinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsina Nations, the Iahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Our sources for the show today, history.com, Discover Magazine, Going Russ. Goingrus.com, CIA.gov, and <laughs> NationalGeographic.com. For an organization that's very secretive, uh, the CIA having a website is hilarious to me. CIA.gov, because I like to go all the way to the top. Right, yes. Um, those were our sources before. <laughs> uh, now we're just going to read a long, extensive list of where each state and province uh, gives out their learner's license. Yeah. So that's going to be the next 45 minutes. We start alphabetically. I'm kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> we start alphabetically with British Columbia. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Is that funny? Yeah. <laughs> Our education education system. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know that, actually, that you got yours at 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was 14. I got mine, like, I don't know, like a month after I turned 14. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 15. And then when you turn 16, you take your driver's test. And then, like, after six months, it's like, okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's like, so 14 here and then 16 to get your learn or your drivers. Right. But then you're still like on a conditional license. Mm. And then uh, I think after two years, it's like two years of driving or two years of being insured or some bullshit like that. You have to take another test. Oh, yeah. And no, that's that how you get no. your GDL. Again, I am almost twice as old as the driving age, <gasps> um, which, yeah. Oh, oh, bar if I could get my learners twice. Yeah, you could. Um <laughs> So uh, th- things have probably changed a little bit, but yeah, nah, when I probably was probably not. It's probably all the same. Uh, no, I actually do think that it, it changed rather <laughs> okay. dramatically. Even even when my sister took it, um, which was like not super long after me, but yeah, no, it was like your learners at fifteen, and then you take a test, and then like you take a, a written test. I think it was the written test for your learners. I don't yeah, remember. mine was just a written. Um, and then you have to do like a driving driving test for your when you turn 16 and then you get your license and then there's like a six month, like don't kill anyone thing. And then you go from there. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it still is 15 driving test.ca says the earliest age for Saskatchewan residents to obtain a license is 15. All right. Well, <laughs> Hey, you know what? You guys get to go 40, uh, in school zones. So that's true. You may have to wait a year more than Albertans, but at least you don't have to ever go 30. Well, for and then reason. like, you're on much more of a probationary period than we were. So it, mm-hmm. like, like you guys get it earlier, but like we get the, the full perks of it earlier. So it, it right. balances out for right. sure. That uh, actually changed like not too um, long before I got my, like my license to, without having to have like an adult in the car. Mm-hmm. I think it was like mm, seven years before. So, I mean, that actually is a pretty big chunk of time, Yeah, but you, you didn't have to get the GDL before. Like, how when I was 18, I was eligible oh, okay. to get that thing. I was eligible to pay more money to do the same thing I'd been doing <laughs> for two years. Right. 
Uh, yeah, that wasn't always the case. Mm. I actually had some like older friends that didn't have to take it. With ours, I feel like they just introduced right around the time I was getting mine that for the first like that six month period, you can only have one other person in the vehicle with you or like one non-family oh. member in the vehicle with you um, at all times. So, of course, my parents uh, gave me a minivan to drive. So that was <laughs> <laughs> just tempting me like, hey, don't I mean, you got a vehicle that holds. What is that? Five, six, if you're skinny. So, yeah, yeah we could. Uh, yeah, we, we trust you. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a trust exercise. Anyway, as you can definitely tell from this conversation, <laughs> we're talking about Genghis Khan today. <laughs> hey, you want to hear a tangent? Right. We got one for you. <laughs> Thanks for downloading our podcast, mm-hmm. Not About Genghis Khan. Right. Um, who, it turns out, uh, I've spelled his name so wrong throughout yeah. this whole thing. Um, it's different almost everywhere, and we say it at least 100 times. Yes. Um, I, I was trying to think of a tie-in of how to tie in driver's licenses to um, Genghis Khan, and I no. thought of it too late because um, his experience at the age of 16 was substantially different than mine, not only just in the fact that it was like literally a thousand years ago but um yeah true we'll we'll get into what happened when he turned 16 a little bit later on well actually very soon on yeah so should we just start then anything else driver's license wise uh no i like driving it's very freeing yeah he did not have a car. They Te- had horses. Lots of horses. Temujin, later known as Genghis <laughs> Khan, was born around 1162. Made up which, year. Um, once again, when you say, well, he was born 1162-ish, you understand some of the note-taking we are dealing with on this particular <laughs> program today. Uh, he was born near the border of uh, modern Mongolia and Siberia. Um, something interesting right off the bat, this is... I'm going to say absolutely 100% not true, but legend has it he came into the world clutching a blood clot in his right hand. You know what? I bet you that's more common than you think. I bet Probably. you like... I would assume if it's happened ever, it's more common than I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that is just such the legend to, to tell of the, this, con- this man who would later be a conqueror that he came out holding blood. Right. He always had his thumb on the pulse of humanity. Jeez. Oh, is that too much? No, we're no, literally about to talk about how oh, yeah. they killed lots of people. That, that's fair. Yeah, no. If <laughs> if that got you, then this is going to be a rough ride. Please for turn you. this podcast off and take your knowledge of driver's licenses elsewhere. Yes, yeah. You you've learned enough today about driver's licenses <laughs> on a couple of middle Canada provinces. Mm. Um, not the greatest start uh, post blood clot. Uh, not the the greatest start <laughs> as his mother had been kidnapped by his father and forced into marriage before um, Temujin or again Genghis Khan uh, turned 10. His father was poisoned to death by an enemy clan. His own clan then deserted him, his mother and his six siblings in order to avoid having to feed them. Holy shit. What a start to one's life. Yeah. First 10 years. Like, the, we we watch a show um, called Criminal Minds, and they talk about, like, triggering events. And it's like, oh, he's had, like, three of them in the first 10 years of his life. So <laughs> uh, In the first month of his life. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it kind life? of feels like th- this could go, uh, like, when, when dealing with this form of, um, uh, yeah, trauma is a good word for it. I was going to say rejection, but trauma. Uh, there's a couple of different ways one can go and one can react to these sorts of things. Right. So after being deserted, which I want to make a joke here about how Mongolia has a lot of desert in it. But anyways, ah. Ah, uh, Temujin kills his older half-brother and takes over as head of their household. Right. So... 
like natural response. Mm-hmm. What's behind door number one? What's behind door number two? Killing half brother and taking over the family. Yes. So at one point he was uh, captured and enslaved by the same clan that had abandoned him and his family, uh, but he was eventually able to escape. Then in 1178, when he was just 16, he marries Borte with whom he would have four sons and an unknown number of daughters. I did try and look into this. Some people say five daughters. It's reported that it's more. It's reported that it's less. So let's just go with they had some daughters. At some point early into their marriage, he makes a daring rescue of Borte after she too was kidnapped. And he soon began making alliances, building a reputation as a warrior and attracting a growing number of followers from other clans. So yes, his experience at 16 a bit different than mine was. Uh, you know what? I think that in the 1100s, life was hard. Yeah, I would say so, yes. A lot harder than it is now. And uh-huh. you want to talk about making lemons into lemonade. I mean, <laughs> uh, it seemed like no one before him had tried to unite any of the clans. And one impressive thing for this up-and-coming leader in the late 1100s was that a very thorough written history was kept. Of course, some of it is glamorized. <laughs> please see blood clot and has been called poetic, but abridged 200 page copies are free online. Just Google the secret history of Mongols. Uh, It was written a few decades after Genghis's death and then translated and adapted a few times, but it is one of the first written histories ever about the birth of a nation. Sorry. I'm still on the blood clot thing. Um, Going back to this, like I I just picture how they view it is that like, I almost picture like an Indiana Jones where he's like sliding out on the, this rope that's like the umbilical cord and he's holding it in his hand like very like conquering like da 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 <laughs> I want you to know that I never ever ever expected the sentence. Sorry, I'm still stuck on this blood clot thing <laughs> to come out of your mouth. <laughs> Fair point. As his armies... <laughs> Keep going, it's okay. I just didn't, I didn't expect that. As his armies and clan grew, Timujin put competent leaders rather than relatives in key positions and killed the leaders of enemy tribes while incorporating the remaining members into his clan. He ordered that all looting wait until after an absolute victory over other clans and camps and had armies divided into units of 10 men, but it wasn't based on family ties. And that is something that you see a whole lot Mm -hmm. where... Um, and spoiler alert, you will see it post Genghis Khan, um, where it's okay. Well, it has to be family related. So this person is in well, he can't count to five. Well, doesn't matter. He is now in charge of the finances yeah. of this country. Doesn't matter. Cousin Doug is going to be our treasurer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess impressive that he did that. And He's then the first, right. It's yeah, exactly. Uh, by the early 1200s, which again, seems entirely made up. Fake he, year. he had quelled all enemy clans and made them part of his own. The beginning of the Mongolians. And he called a meeting of representatives from every part of the territory and established a nation similar in size to modern Mongolia. He was also proclaimed Chinggis Khan, which roughly translates to universal ruler. Um, cool. a name that became known Known in the West as Genghis Khan. That's like for sure a white person thing. Totally. Like someone from Mongolia was traveling and telling people about Genghis and a white person was like, what? Mm -hmm. Genghis. Oh, Genghis. No, Genghis. Yeah. I'm just going to write Genghis. I I picture it's like when Joey's trying to learn French and friends and they're like, (laughs) okay, Ching, Ching, Gis, Gis, Khan. Genghis Khan. Wait, no, we, you, were, you were right there. Come on, one more time. Like, that's that's kind of how I picture it. But it is, 
Uh, unfortunately, not a new problem and not a, a new solution, yeah. I, I guess, to just, well, this sounds like this, so we're just going to write it out like that. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Have you united the steppe tribes, which I had to Google steppe because I was like, mm, what? Uh, steppe is grasslands. These weren't like tribes from previous marriages. Uh, <laughs> steppe is grasslands without a ton of trees, just like rolling expanses. So after uniting the tribes and clans, Genghis Khan ruled over some one million people. Uh, in order to keep the peace between everyone who had previously been warring and kidnapping, he abolished inherited aristocratic titles. He also forbade the selling of kidnapping women, uh, banned the enslavement of any Mongolian, and made livestock theft punishable by death. Uh, Genghis Khan ordered the adoption of a writing system. This might be where that book came in. Right. Uh, conducted a regular census, granted diplomatic immunity to foreign ambassadors, and allowed freedom of religion well before the idea caught on elsewhere. It's kind of crazy that he came up with all of those things. Because, uh, again, this is a weird one. For me, mm -hmm. this this whole episode, because like he does some like pretty advanced things, but also just kills a shitload of people. Totally. And so you don't want to like, hey, big ups to Genghis Khan because it's like, ooh. But also, yeah, kind of like, also was a tyrant. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But also, like, I feel like th this shouldn't be a big step. But I feel like in the 1200s, um, putting a stop to the kidnapping and selling of women. Is a big step. Is a big step, yeah. And then, yeah, banning enslavement, big step. Yep. Uh, killing people for stealing livestock, you maybe went too far. No, big step. But okay. Um, and yeah, like a regular census. I don't even know how you would do that in 1200. <laughs> they come to our door with a tablet. I, that uh, Maybe it was a different one. And you had to just chisel it Oh in. my gosh. But yeah, it's just, it, it's it, all of it. All of it seems very much ahead of his time. Very much. Um, his first movement outside of Mongolia took place against the Shi Shia kingdom of northwest China. After a series of raids, the Mongolian hordes arrived at the capital. Unlike other armies, the Mongolians traveled with uh, no supply train other than a large reserve of horses. The army consisted almost entirely of cavalrymen who were expert riders and deadly with bow and arrows. At the capital, Yinchun, the Mongolian used one of their signature combat techniques, a false withdrawal, to fool their opponents and ransack the capital. This particular attempt failed, but soon after, the hordes were on the doorstep of Yin Chuan, the ruler submitted and presented tribute, aka uh, surrendered. Yeah. But again, this is like, this sounds very callous, but... To not have a supply train seems like a good idea. Like, just limit the amount of, like, excess that you have. Mm -hmm. Also, quite the motivator. Like, hey, you want food? Uh, let's uh, let's kill those guys over guess there and get their food. Some, right. uh, guess you better win some battles. Exactly. Next, Genghis Khan's army moved to the Jin Dynasty of northern China, whose ruler had made the mistake of demanding Genghis Khan's submission. From 1211 to 1214, both made up years, the outnumbered <laughs> Mongolians ravaged the countryside and sent Chinese refugees pouring into the cities. Food shortages became a problem, and the Jin army ended up killing tens of thousands of its own peasants because of this. Near the end of this siege, the Mongolians entered the capital of Zongdu, now Beijing, and the Jin ruler agreed to hand over large amounts of silk, silver, gold, and horses. They love their horses. <laughs> to have Genghis Khan and his army stop. 
That's the sentence I wrote. Please stop. Here's some horses. Right. The ruler ended up moving his court south, and Genghis took this as a breach of their agreement, and with the help of the Jin deserters, sacked Zongdu to the ground. I, in the uh, the, the transfer agreement, I love silk in there. Like silver and gold, the, these yeah. mass amounts of uh, money that you can use with these horses help with war silk you can look pretty like it, it just Ooh, so sad right yeah it seems like one of these <laughs> things is not like that are you tired of wearing sticks uh <laughs> we have the same for you like it just it seems like such a weird thing like and th- there are so many of these in history where like wars are fought over tea and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's just like in, in 2021 it seems like the dumbest thing but back then like this is a something parallel to silver and gold silk it just yeah. seems it seems hilarious to me. Totally. Five years later, Genghis Khan, ever the entrepreneur, went to war with the Khwarezm Empire in present-day Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, and Iran. So it's big. The leader of the mm-hmm. empire had agreed it's an to empire. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Uh, the leader of said empire had agreed to a, a trade treaty, but when the first caravan arrived, its goods were stolen and its merchants were killed. Some of Genghis Khan's ambassadors were murdered in retaliation, and then, of course, a peaceful and totally calm solution happened. <laughs> I don't think so. Or not. The Mongolian horde, which was, as usual, outnumbered but more skillful, swept through a city, uh, one city after another. Skilled workers, such as carpenters and jewelers, were usually saved, while aristocrats and resisting soldiers weren't. Unskilled workers were often used as human shields during the next assault. No one knows with any certainty how many people died during Genghis Khan's wars, um, in part because Mongolians propagated their victories, uh, or sorry, their vicious image as a way of spreading terror. You know what that sounds like to me? Hmm. Propaganda, baby! (laughs) It is a hell of a drug, even in the 1200s when silk is considered... um, uh, Riches. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, To let you know the mindset of the person we are dealing with, here is a quote from uh, the, this war general philosopher. Again, this is a direct quote, uh, translated, but a direct quote. The greatest joy for a man is to defeat his enemies, to drive them before him, to take from them all they possess, to see those they love in tears, to ride their horses, and to hold their wives and daughters in his arms. Woof. So yeah, again, he really likes horses. It is, yeah, that's <laughs> definitely the takeaway from that. Um, it, it is, you see some of the things where it's like, oh, the, the rich people are getting killed and the, the skilled workers we can use, we're getting saved and we're bringing them in and we're, we're abolishing the, the trading of kidnapped women and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like, you, you see some things where it's okay, some advanced ideas for this time frame. And then you see this quote and it's like, oh, right, you were a monster. Right. There is a there is a reason why people are called war heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When Genghis Khan returned to Mongolia in 1225, he had expanded the Mongolian Empire from the Sea of Japan to the Caspian Sea. After a short rest, the Mongolian army picked up again. Genghis turned his attention back to the Chishia Kingdom, which had refused to contribute troops. Uh, to the Khwarezm invasion. So the offering of a tribute in defeat back in 1210-ish didn't need subservience, but placation. In early 1227, a horse threw Genghis Khan to the ground, causing internal injuries. He pressed on with the campaign, but his health never recovered. He died in 1227, just before the Chishia kingdom was eviscerated. 
So I do think that this is one of the things that kind of builds, I don't, I don't want to say the legacy, but the legend, I guess, of mm-hmm. Genghis Khan where no mere man could bring him down. It was mm-hmm. a, a horse, who, you know, like it, it couldn't just be one human being to, to, to defeat this man. It's always the ones we love the most. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, um, I am going to one day get in trouble for the shit I say. Right. Uh, Khan and his skilled armies conquered more than twice as much land as any other leader in history, bringing Eastern and Western civilizations into contact in the process. His descendants, including Ogade and Kublai, were also prolific conquerors, taking control of Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and the rest of China, among other places. The Mongolians even invaded Japan and Java, a part of modern-day Indonesia, before their empire broke apart in the 1500s. Genghis Khan's last ruling descendant died in 1920, um, so lasted a while. Uh, akin to descendants from the gods in mythology or the House of David in medieval Christian monarchies, a line back to Genghis Khan became a necessary precondition for the ability to be a ruler in the centuries after the rise of the Mongolian Empire across much of Asia. The genetic legacy of the Mongolians has been studied quite a bit, and one study concluded that we have identified a Y-chromosomal lineage with several unusual features. It was found found in 16 populations throughout a large region of Asia stretching from the Pacific to the Caspian Sea and was present at a high frequency. Around 8% of the men in the region carry it and thus make up around half a percent of the world total. The pattern of the variation within the lineage suggested that it originated in Mongolia around a thousand years ago. Such a rapid spread cannot have occurred by chance. It must have been a result of selection. The lineage is carried by likely male line descendants of Genghis Khan, and we therefore propose that it has spread by a novel form of social selection resulting from their behavior. Um, so, to summarize, Genghis and his descendants were, one, selected to be rulers after Khan's death, and it was a prerequisite. Two, they had a lot of kids, and spread that all over the place. Yeah, so, it, it is believed that there is actually, like, just a chunk of the, the world's population that are descendants of, of mm-hmm. Genghis Khan. Um, Absolutely wild. And looking at his Wikipedia page, it's quite the thing. Um, Because under spouse, there's Borte, who you mentioned before. Then there is a very long list of people. And then then at the bottom, it just says others. Oh, fun. So it's like one of those old, like, CD compilations where it was, hey, you have the Backstreet Boys and LFO and Five and more. It's like that, only with wives, which wow. is just quite the thing mm-hmm. uh, to, to actually say. But it, it is believed that one in 200 men on this planet right now are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. Wow. Like just, like that is, again, crazy to think about, but also a lot of spreading. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. He went a lot of places. He did. Yep. Traveling, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Genghis Khan quite literally put Mongolia on the map after the huge Eurasian conquest. After his death, the empire was divided into several powerful Mongolian states, but these broke apart in the 1500s. The Mongolians eventually retired to their original steppe homelands and, skipping ahead 300-ish years, in the late 1800s, came under Chinese rule. Mongolia declared its independence from the Manchu-led Qing Empire in 1911 and achieved limited autonomy until 1919, when they again came under Chinese control. The Mongolian Revolution of 1921 ended Chinese dominance and a communist regime. The Mongolian People's Republic took power in 1924. The modern country of Mongolia represents only part of the historical homeland after all the conquering was done. Today, more ethnic Mongolians live in the Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region, which is more in China than in Mongolia. Since the country's peaceful democratic revolution in 1990, the ex-communist Mongolian People's Revolution Party, which took the name Mongolian People's Party in 2010, has competed for political power with the Democratic Party and several other smaller parties, including a new one which confusingly adopted for itself the MPRP name. Uh, in the country's 2016 election, Mongolians overwhelmingly voted for the MPP giving them control of parliament, largely pushing out the Democratic Party, and they voted similarly last year um, when there was an election, once again, the MPP won. As a quick aside, some of the parties that received votes in, 2020, in the 2020 election, but not enough to earn a seat, include the Coalition of Just Citizens and Love the People Party. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, fun. <laughs> uh, there is a museum. This is the fun fact I was. Okay. I kept a secret from you. Except it's not really a secret because you can Google it. <laughs> there is a museum in Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital city of Mongolia, uh, built in the early 1880s by Soviet builders and became the only museum building at the time. Uh, I think that this has changed, but I think most museums in Mongolia are old palaces and castles and stuff. So this was the first building that was built to specifically be a museum. In 2006, the question of creating Genghis Khan's museum in this building was discussed in Parliament, and after much deliberation, the museum building was given to be a dinosaur museum. In Mongolia, they found about 20% of the remains of ancient reptiles from all of the known ones in the world. Huh. Right? Did you know this? It's like no. Dinosaur Central. Wow. The Paleontological Center nice. in Ulaanbaatar... <laughs> I mean, fuck with me, Massachusetts, <laughs> owns a unique collection of dinosaur remains with which only American and Chinese scientists can compare. The Velociraptor was found in the Gobi Desert of Mongolia, one of the only places for it to be found, and its descendants are now birds of prey, which Genghis Khan was said to admire and train his armies to be like, fast and vigilant. Mongolia's GDP... Sorry, moving on from the dinosaurs. Right. And also, now this makes sense along with dinosaurs. Mongolia's GDP is 8.62% coal, which makes them the largest coal-based economy in the world, which I, I had no clue about that. And no. I thought that, like, I thought that Berta and, like, the mining in Saskatchewan, Canada would have placed higher on that list, but we're 27th. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of countries in the world. That's still pretty high, but... That's true, yeah. I was like, we dig a lot, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you do? Sell, sell our mountains to coal mining companies in 2021? Maybe. <laughs> Politics. So that's Genghis Khan. Hooray. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of like you said, for him being a, a conqueror and like 
probably murdering a metric fuck ton of people Mm -hmm. and like having who knows how many children and wives he did implement a lot of framework um for mongolia to be what it is today yeah it is a bit of a confusing legacy when Mm -hmm. you look back on it because as you mentioned like just a load of killing people like just Bull, Conquering, that, like moving that, in. That quote is rather haunting totally. uh, about like taking wives and daughters and stuff like that. Yeah. But then um, kind of took care of his own as well. Mm-hmm. Like well, we're not going to be treating women as poorly as you have been treating them. And right. we, we are not going to be stealing livestock from each other anymore. Like he very much made his group of people his group of people. Yeah. Like, I mean, it were... is safe to say that he was like... He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of looked around and was like, how can I make life better for the people that I like? Yeah. And worse for everybody else. Yes. But then, he also didn't make life better for some people. So, <laughs> I think I think definitely overall, he was, he's a bad guy in history, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, learned learned quite a bit about him. Yeah. Um, th- this was a, a real interesting kind of roll through because you, you everyone knows about Genghis Khan mm-hmm. and you, you kind of understand like oh yeah no he killed a bunch of people and they just took over for a while and then they he was gone yeah so, it was happy to learn some of the the specifics about this one yeah and in my mind I I mentioned this to you but I never ended up writing it down um I had always equated Genghis Khan and Attila the Hun in my mind like I'm mm-hmm. like totally war leaders they existed at the exact same time not true uh, Attila the Hun was actually around 800 years before Genghis Khan and, uh, was reported, reported by who, but reported to be, um, more violent and like excessive, um, and didn't keep like any of the records, like wasn't as good of a leader, like was, was more so the war leader without any of the good framework that Genghis Khan put in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that having a, a book of their conquests was also... Like a book of like Mongolian history, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really, really interesting fact that I, I had, again, it's the name, had no <laughs> idea about. Yeah. All right, so if that's it for Genghis Khan, what are we doing next week? Well, this has been a requested episode coming up next week. Uh, requested by some friends requested by total strangers which is so so exciting that they cared enough to ask us Mm -hmm. um as well it's something that we have wanted to do for a couple months now and with in light of everything that has happened uh in canada recently uh we will be talking about um indigenous peoples and their history in our episode next week which just so happens to coincide with Aboriginal Awareness Week, as well as June 21st is National Indigenous Peoples Day. So a couple of days after that um, that day, you will get a podcast on some of the history of Indigenous peoples in Canada. I'm looking forward to researching that one, but understanding yeah. that like a lot of it's going to be very, very heartbreaking. So Definitely. Um, especially given what we have learned over the last couple of weeks uh, in this country, um, there, there are going to be... Uh, quite a few things that I'm 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 really excited to learn about this one. I I am fascinated by this particular topic, and so I am looking forward to doing a a very very deep dive into this one. Yeah, me too, me too, very much so. And you know, like even when when we do our land acknowledgement off the top, um, it's you know it's like those the names of those nations and everything. Like I see it when I go on the hikes that I go on, and right, um, and it is really important I think to know. What was happening 
in this world before I was lucky enough to be in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very excited. Uh, and, and yeah, l- like you said, excited feels like the wrong kind of word to use, but um, excited just to know more and to, to be smarter after this week, right? especially about a topic that, you know, directly affects the place that we live. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for uh, downloading this week's episode. Uh, we hope that you uh download the next one <laughs> yes yeah and uh please remember to rate review and subscribe uh the, the reviews have kind of plateaued a little bit so we'd like to get a, a few more five-star reviews uh up there mm-hmm. so that would be that would be fantastic and if you don't think it's a five-star show let us know why you think that and what we can improve on yeah. uh, you can do that on social media we had no idea podcast on instagram you can also email the show at we had no idea podcast at gmail.com yeah so thank you thank you thank you we are still very much enjoying doing this show Mm -hmm. and we will talk to you next week bye 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 Bye. no you hang up first (laughs)